if you know what's important to you, know what makes you feel happy, loved, supported, safe, respected, cared about, then you're going to lean into that. That is going to have a ripple effect of all the good things that are happening to me. So with the kids and adults oh, too, when beautiful. adults understand that like, the, why value is important. Honestly, if I ask the parents of my kids, like, do you know why values are important? They, they have, it's not that they don't know. They haven't created time to think about it. Everybody. Welcome back to Parenting on Purpose. We're so excited to have you guys here today. We have a treat for you guys. We have Miss Christy Nichols. She has quite an experience to share with us today, but she is a life coach. She's an author and she works with teens all over the world. And today we're going to have some uh, tips and tricks for us to instill in our teenagers or for them to really develop within themselves to set them up for success in 2023 and then moving forward. Christy, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Caitlin. So nice to meet you. I appreciate the warm welcome. Well, speaking of warm, you look like you're in an amazing place. I am literally in a monsoon right now. Where are you coming from? I am sweating inside. It's so hot. <laughs> I'm living in Nicaragua, and it's the hottest month of the year. Rainy season is for another month. So it's, um, I, I'm actually five minutes from the beach. Uh, the jungle is right behind my computer. Wow. Um, but it's, yeah, southern Nicaragua, Pacific Coast, gorgeous, but very, very hot. Hot, yeah, amazing. That's so beautiful. And you mentioned before we started recording that there's a, a lot of uh, wild animals. What is the craziest animal that you have interacted with in your time in Nicaragua? Recently, well, there's howler monkeys right outside in this tree. And one was on the ground recently, just walking. And then my cat decided to stalk it for stupid reasons. Yeah, so yeah, anteaters, possums, raccoons. There's a snake the other day, we got scorpions, tarantulas, but we don't bother them and they don't bother us. That's the rule. Symbiosis. I love it. Yeah. We, we live in Florida and there's all these memes. Like, how do you know if like the water in Florida has gators in it? And there's like, well, it's a really sure, sure, uh, sure sign is if the water's wet, you don't touch it. There's gators in it. Um, so I, I get you. I respect nature. I actually love nature. I, I still wouldn't want to swim with a gator. <laughs> so, um, I would love for you to explain to our audience a little bit about your background. So what I love about you is you really have a global perspective on teenage mentality and, and where we are as a global community. So where have you taught? Give us a little bit of backstory. Yeah, sure. Um, so I haven't lived in the States for 21 years. Um, in 20, well, 2001, I moved to the UK and I lived there. I just went for a few months, but I ended up staying for seven years. Um, and that's where I earned my master's and my teaching credential. And I started working with high school students in England, where for me, like, I, I don't know, I'm like, I loved teaching English to the English, but I always thought it was kind of boring to sit behind a desk and put a whiteboard, blah, 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 who cares? I, if I'm not interested, my kids definitely wouldn't be. So I would take them outside of the classroom. We would study um, books like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And then I would take them on jo uh, Jack the Ripper walking tours at night in London. So like just really get them involved in what's going around them, getting them interested and, in, you know, give it, taking them on that tour. Cause I don't know if you've been to London or not, but it's, I have old. a few times. Yeah. yeah. So being amongst the scenery that was similar to the story that they were reading for, that they had to read. You know, the exactly. Way better. Yeah. Yeah, it just so like that, it reminds me of like cultural immersion, kind of just like immersing oh, yeah. them in. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and that's actually what triggered like an entire life change for me because after that I could never like just go back to teach classroom teaching. You know? So I did that for seven years before moving to Australia. In Australia, I taught university um, and a few different universities for a while, but that's where I started my first business because what I really wanted to do and what I discovered through working with teenagers, like they didn't walk around London talking about literature. They were learning, they were in leadership roles, they were connecting with each other, they were observing things around them, they were developing their own sense of their personalities and their thought processes and just watching people around them in the world. You know, I, I don't know, I just, I just thought there's so much learning that happens about yourself when you travel. So yes. while I was in university in Australia, I built a company um, and wrote a curriculum that was personal leadership, social leadership, and cultural leadership focused. And mm -hmm. I would take university students, typically 18 or 19 years old, overseas for three weeks where they would travel. They would get involved in a community program. It was all community driven. Um, we don't need to go off topic and talk about volunteerism here, but I was anti, come on gringos, let's paint churches for poor, I, anti that at all. Like I developed cool. relationships. I'm kind of feeling that. I might delve yeah. into that. I like that. Yeah. And my kids got that too. So they, you know, we didn't just go like teach somewhere. Like for example, one year we were in Cambodia and they'd had massive floods and it wiped out the bridge. The only bridge that connected one village to where they get their food. So our program, instead of like, working in a school, we're like, all right, guys, we're building a bridge. We're helping here. And yes. that education, just for them showing up, eating food they've never eaten before. Yep. Like learning a language that they had no idea how to pronounce, like walking amongst monks, working with elephants in some cases. Like oh, that taught them so much about themselves. So the curriculum was built to capture those inherent moments of learning that you can't script, but you just know when you travel, you're going to be exposed to things you had no idea were out there. And then how do you take that home with you so that you recognize what you're feeling, what you're learning, you can understand it, and then you can use it to make decisions as they then went on to finish school, take on internships, like choose a career, build relationships. So that's wow. what I did for five years. Can I ask um, a question about that real fast? Yeah. Um, I love that. And I think about like, you know, studying abroad programs or even as a parent when we travel, like I know parents and they take their kids, even if it's like to a local museum or like they go on a, a maybe a lifelong trip somewhere to another country. There's elements of people wanting to be able to do that and layer that in. So when you're building those curriculums, what were your criteria? You said it so beautifully where you're trying to you're basically setting a space like a sacred space for them to have an experience. Now, the cool thing about that is you obviously don't control a lot of that because it's random countries, different things, a lot going on, different politics, different cultures, different everything. What are the commonalities or what did you look for to say, if I have these three or four things lined up, I know the kids are going to have a great experience? I looked for purposeful projects that they could be involved with. So I knew the, the communities in which we work and what they were looking for next. Awesome. I also knew to point out examples of leadership in other these other places so the countries i operated even though i lived in australia my programs operated in south africa thailand cambodia costa rica and nicaragua which is where i eventually unpacked everything wow. um but yeah i looked for like the people who were the head of like the tuk-tuk drivers i looked for the heads of schools i looked for the students who were like making different decisions in another language with like 
who's going to kick the ball? I'm going to kick the ball. Like all these lovely activities that you, you don't have to make so official to, that they lose their value or their interest, but it happens organically. Love um, it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that kind of leads to also the, the course, which I think is where we're going eventually about mindfulness and, and how do you teach like emotional intelligence and personal growth to students now? It's that same yes. idea of like, how, how do we make this feel good and interesting? You're, you're learning something about yourself accidentally, but inherently valuable for your, your life. So, okay. So there's a lot to unpack here, right? Like nowadays I'm in a community of um, homeschool moms. My, I have a 15 year old and a three year old. My 15 year old privately schools from home. Cause I don't want to be responsible for her education. Cause I love her too much for that. Um, but I want her to have access to people like you who are much better at these things. Um, but giving kids in their most impressionable, most, um, genial brain wave space, this like low grade clerical work, like it's, it's, it's be like, that's my thing. Like that really, it, it makes my soul cry. So what I'm hearing you say is your curriculum was structured around, um, activity in the community, being out, being present, be, like movement, doing things at action. And it seemed to be centered around service. So, I, I think that's important to recognize as we move into what you do now, which is your coursework and teaching people all over the world how to understand that mindfulness in the teenage state and then what's important to establish as like a homeostasis or a baseline. So um, you can feel free to, to walk us through now like what you're currently working on, but any way to kind of weave in some of those baselines, I think that would help our parents a lot. It would certainly help me. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And it's definitely different. It's the same, same, but different. And thank you, by the way, for acknowledging cultures, politics, religion, because there's a lot of stress behind the scene. To, uh, yeah. You have to feel safe. Otherwise, the objective never comes, right? They have to feel, and the parents, parents of these kids have to feel that their kid is safe with you. So all that was number one. Um, and now teaching as I do online, and you're right, like my students come from all over the world. I had some lovely girls from Nigeria um, at the end of last year, and that was a lot of fun too. Awesome. Work with different cultures, because what is their school day like? You know, often the students I work with now, now that we're past COVID, whatever that means, like, like students are back in school, and there's like more structure and more routine. And so I was, you know, in 2020, 21, I was more of a replacement for school, and now I'm an an added support parent. You're augmented. Yep. Yeah, and how do they communicate their what they're going through? And I think that is one of the most important things any parent needs to understand and reach out to me because they understand this is how do I communicate with my kid in a way where I know what's going on inside them, especially in a world where their their social growth and relational growth was stunted these mm -hmm. last few years and for adults too. And adults I didn't, you know, I was never given this training when I was 12. I wish no. I was in my late twenties, thirties. And I'm, I still implement the tools I teach to teenagers now because you need it. But the idea is as you work with teenagers, the parents understand like, how do I talk about something important that I was never comfortable talking about emotional? What do we do with anxiety? My mother suffered from anxiety all of her twenties and thirties and didn't even know it was called that until like, years ago or something you know like so 
I think it's so imperative and, and really like, like good on you and love you from my whole, every cell, because you, to me, you're taking on almost a task that is so challenging because as you said, parents don't we don't have this training. So to like teach it to the teens, like that's amazing because that's going to set them up for the next generation. And it also, I can also see it's going to help help them with their parents who don't even like, they're not even on the same level. So I feel like a lot of people we talk to in this space start with the parents because the parents have to be fixed (laughs) to fix ourselves before we can help our children who are less messed up than we have messed them up. Um, I know I sound so awful. That's fine. Cancel culture. I love you all. Um, But like it, it's true. And you're going straight to the kids, which is amazing to me. So talk to me about where do parents often misstep? Let's use gentler language. Where do parents often misstep in their communication with teens? And then what are you teaching teens to do to help maintain their own, you know, like I said, their own like happy homeostasis, even when their parents maybe aren't on the same page? Where do they misstep? I'm not sure if they misstep or if they're also just learning as they go. Yeah. Um, it's just funny you mentioned that because I do, I don't know if you know this or not, but I, I sell curriculum for parents and teachers teaching what I teach. Like awesome. it's for like, so people don't need to come send their kids to me. They can just learn the curriculum and teach it themselves too. That's great. Um, I guess the biggest thing would be the things that we're also missing out on ourselves. So, so one of the, the courses I teach is actually the first one I start with is one on values. Right. And so like our values, like if I asked you right now, like, what are your top five values? Like, what would you say? I would say presence. I would say um, living like uh, wholeheartedly. I would say family. I would say um, health and gratitude. Right. Okay. So those values dictate once you know what they are, health, gratitude, presence, family, and wholeheart. Is that what you said? Wholehearted? Yeah. Yeah. It's a word. I don't even know if that's a value. It's fine. I don't know. It's what felt right. (laughs) But like, so when I ask kids, like, like it's, so for you, you were able to come up with those values, but also too, when I teach this to adults, it's like, okay, let's, let's break it down to different aspects of your life and get detailed. What is a value? Like time alone is a value. So it's a solitude, communication, community, um, being on, being helpful, being, you know, being heard, all of these things come up with adults for kids, for teenagers, their values are like, um, Ooh, the kids who say respect, that's, that tells me they, they understand what it's like to not be respected. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of work around like, well, what are the things, you know, music's important to you, their little sister walking their dog, you know, it's very things they're cool. learning to navigate their, their life with. And then you think, okay, like, you know, these values and they're so important because if you know what's important to you, know what makes you feel happy, loved, supported, safe, respected, cared about, then you're going to lean into that. I'm drinking this right now because it's very hot and I want my brain to function and not just whatever. <laughs> right. But if I was drinking, like, I don't know what else, like Coca-Cola, which I don't drink. Like it's terrible. You know, like, like it would not make me feel the way I want to feel. So if support. I know my value is, yeah, is water on a hot day. That is going to have a ripple effect of all the good things that are happening to me. So with the kids and adults oh, too, when adults understand that, like, 
why value is important. Honestly, if I ask the parents of my kids, like, do you know why values are important? They, they have, it's not that they don't know. They haven't created time to think about it. Yeah, there's no you know? mind-muscle connection. 100%. So so that's that's an area to go. And then values, and, you know, it's your value is family, so you make a decision. Are you going to, you know, watch, play video games all day, or are you going to go spend time with your dad just came home from work? Oh, and then they're conscious about it. Oh, go spend time with dad, or dad with the kid, actually. But what I love about it, this is it 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 shows the difference between like conceptual and action, right? The woo-woo and the physical. Like one always is going to dictate the other, but if you don't if you're not clear on your vision and you're not clear on what those things are, it's hard to make them show up in your life. Now, if you do understand, now this is freaking golden what you are doing. This is golden because if you get young people to believe in the virtue of their own desires and that they, if I pick these things and I make decisions in accordance with them, I use them as a filter for my decision-making, I will create a life in accordance with what makes yes. me feel happy and supported. Like that is amazing. Amazing. That is awesome. You're doing great work. That's so cool. Thank you. One of my biggest pet peeves, and you might've experienced this and anybody who's ever been to a meeting that they thought was long and stupid and boring, is like, you know, you have these good ideas and people sit around nodding and then nothing happens. I never want to run a program or run a course or teach a, teach work with anybody where they think, wow, that was a good experience and then floats away. Like, like they, you have to be able to apply it and integrate it into your life. So it's the values thing. Like the kids are like, you know, after they identify, learn what is the value? What are their values? Where do they see it? Oh, I see it when I walk my dog and I got, actually I got invited to a birthday present or birthday party and that really means great so that's learning what makes you feel happy is the biggest thing you can do to overcoming anxiety self-doubt fear insecurities you know when we get knocked down which all of us do i don't care how rich famous successful you are you, you battle of course um here's how you one of the tools to help elevate your mind and take charge take charge of your thoughts you know so it it's magic but how i teach it is fun you know and people feel good yeah at the end because they're talking about things we love you know and you do, you're doing it in a natural way so this is cool because at first you told us the structure for your um your immersion based learning but i can tell you're not like the type of person that just gives you the the playbook you actually give a framework for those lessons to be like to transpire i'm excited i'm gonna check out your course and i'll um if, if with your permission i'll link it in the description so our parents can check it out so you said five things. You said makes kids feel happy, supported, safe. Help me out. Okay. So yeah, happy, supported, uh, safe, loved, um, comforted. Okay. Respected. Like you can throw respected. a bunch of these in the pocket. Yeah. Okay. Confidence, the big one. Confidence so for, for, our, for our parents, right, for people who are here, um, even starting with some of those and just having conversations around that without – without juxtaposing your own thoughts just hey baby what you know what makes you feel supported nowadays or what in what ways do you feel the most loved or what are some of your tips that like that's obviously with my layman's knowledge how I would approach the conversation how would you approach that conversation you know one thing I feel is super beneficial and a game changer for parents for teachers for siblings you know whatever is um their ability to like set up a routine or a ritual you know, so like, and so often, you know, this can happen, like if you still sit down to have dinner or at breakfast or when, when does the family come together 
And instead of just like talking, talking, have key things to start talking about, you know, parents asking their kids like, Hey, so what was the most delightful thing about your day to day? Um, what could have gone better, you know, and just start opening up the conversation. Well, it sucked because so-and-so took my book and I was, you know, like whatever, whatever it is that kids battle with, then they have a space to voice what has frustrated them, what has disappointed them, what has scared them. And through that conversation, they are being heard. They are being supported. And, you know, any parent who recognizes the need to embed this kind of knowledge in their kid and leans into routines is going to be supportive in listening to that, what that kid has to say. And if I'm understanding correctly, it's the act of listening that is the real gold, not necessarily anything that, that comes out of it. It's just letting your child feel seen. Yeah. And, you know, when you have a routine or a ritual, I mean, maybe, you know, Monday you come home from baseball practice or school, whatever, and nothing happened. And it's just like, okay, well, that was fun. Next day, same question. Next day, same question. It's consistency of creating a space where kids feel welcome, not pressured. You know, it's like, because when something goes wrong, they know they have that touchstone to return to. You know, the space has been created by the parent for them to be grateful, to talk about anxiety they might have been feeling, to um, I don't know, like, like talk about any apprehension. It's a structure and they, yeah. yeah. And they'll look, they look forward to that. They, they know it's coming. It's a safety per like safety mechanism that they, they know, Hey, if this happened, at least I can talk about it at dinner or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's and that's fun, you know, cause eventually teenagers are going to go off and they're not going to seem like they need you as parents, but they do. They do like that. That just, Writing those teenage years through, I saw it. I saw it when I taught high school students. I could tell which kids were loved at home and which ones weren't. Talk to us about some of your biggest lessons working with teens and any way those can um, transpire over to parents who have teens, which a lot of us do. (laughs) What was one of my biggest learnings? Yeah, or just a lesson working with teens or just anything that surprised you, maybe something that caught you off guard or whatever comes to your heart is perfect in service and I drink this so I can pay attention (laughs) (laughs) this is a healthy one though it's a healthy one so my brain works no judge (laughs) she has water and I have kerosene it's fine (laughs) yeah but I just go from like coffee to water like I'm gonna have wine later so it's like just knowing balance all about the balance yeah Yeah. (laughs) just yeah keep the hormones at a good level (laughs) Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think what was, I mean, immediately my brain goes to the hard things where I felt like a failure. Okay. I mean, I won't lie, but like there's times when I was teaching and it was so hard, like, you know, cause as a, and I was younger too, I was in like my late twenties and like trying to, you know, kids are rowdy and I had every type of student in my classroom, you know, like it was a mix of students who had immigrated, students from other countries, students who were learning the language. Mm-hmm. So, um, students who are hearing impaired, one student who is um, autistic, students who are gifted and talented, students who were troubled because basically they weren't loved, you know? So, um, yeah, but I remember like some days just classroom management was so taxing and I, my emotions would get the best of me and they yep. would, at the end of the class, I'd shut the door, they all leave and I would sit on a desk and cry <laughs> because I just felt like I had not gotten the objective across. I had whatever 
problems. Kids didn't come to school like, all right, I'm ready to write. I'm ready to read. I'm ready to learn. No, they come in with like whatever happened at home, whatever happened on the playground, whatever emotional hormonal thing was affecting their mood. Yeah. I have students that split up the weekend after their fathers had been killed. Like, how do you, Yep. you know, so, so I, so I feel I re- resonate with parents who feel inequipped to handle some of the things we're going through. Um, because I did. Yep. And I wish if I could go back, man, I wish I could have been, been such a better teacher now. If I knew what I did, what I do now at 44, you know, that I could use when I was like 25, I'm like, man, I would have, it could have reached so many more people, you know, I would have seen things. I what would you have done differently see. in those situations when you're, when you were frustrated or when you just felt like you like couldn't get, you couldn't support them. And that made you sad. Like what, what would you do differently? Oh, and I couldn't support them. Well, like in that case, in the instance you just said, like in a day where like classroom management was just like nuts and you're like, now knowing what I know now, what would be different? Cause, cause, because we are parents going through that today. We are your 25 year old self. So <laughs> that's why I want to know. Yeah. I would create a sense of calm more. I mean, I, and I did do this with different classes. Like I, was really good, like the the London field trip story with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Like, like I was really good at seeing ways to engage creativity and harness okay. their attention. But when things went south, I should have cultivated a classroom of calm rather than like, you know, this kid kicked off and that kid kicked off. Okay, now everybody has to like quiet and we're gonna do this because, you know, so, so basically what I would do now that we're talking about this out loud, I'm feeling terrible about it, but no, like, punish the good kids for who weren't doing anything wrong because that's how I just needed to clamp down on an unruly classroom, which didn't happen often, but especially my first year, it happened weekly, you know, but I would have cultivated, okay, everybody like remove this problem kid outside. Everybody here, we're just going to breathe, breathe in through your nose out your mouth. We'll take three grounding breaths and just then make a decision on how to save the classroom for the next 25 minutes or whatever. And then go outside instead of like responding with agitation or anger or frustration, which kids are learning, you know, the kids are learning from my reactions. Of course. So that's what I would do differently. I would just like hit pause. Yes. Everybody quiet and we don't start the breathing. So everybody's quiet. I love this breathe and then teach the kids that I would do that now yeah for sure I love this and I appreciate you being honest because this is parenting I am a very present parent I have been told that my whole life um my husband and I adopted his uh niece and I have been a parent since I was 22 uh with this beautiful incredible four-year-old um who's now 15 god help me um but this happens to everybody, even knowing everything I know, doing these podcasts with incredible people like you, getting all of this knowledge. There are moments very frequently when you have, you come across that. So one, I think it's understanding that you are absolutely, absolutely not a failure. I think that is how we know we want to do something different. And I just appreciate that because you know, and the other cool thing is kids are super resilient, right? And they understand there's like um, a need. The last thing I was going to say about this is I find, and I, the example that comes to my head is when I was in university, 
the tests I was so stressed out about, like freaking just like personal hygiene went to crap. I was just stressed. I, I like crushed those tests. Like I was so self-aware that it was like a detriment. That's how I feel about this situation. Like you are probably so much more aware than most of your peers. So you probably have done an, a stellar job, but because we are so aware and empathetic and taking on all like empathic and taking on all that energy, like it's a lot. Um, but I'm glad you said that because this is how parents feel every day. So pausing, yeah. setting a setting a stage of calm, whatever that looks like, and then recreating a, a stage for support and learning. It's a great answer. And to support that, it's not the hippy dippy doo dah like, oh, breathe through and meditate. Actually, that's all science backed. Students in schools are implementing this, like, 100%. instead of like going detention like okay we're just gonna meditate you know see something healthy for ourselves and others around us so yeah yeah that's awesome i love this okay so um my final question that we always ask our amazing guests is if you were to give parents um one tip for they can implement today something easy that they can start doing right after this podcast to either improve their own life or to improve their relationships with their families um what would that be write journal in the morning Ooh. take even if it's like like i try to write three pages um sometimes most of the time it happens sometimes it doesn't but if you just like give yourself 10 minutes and just write and maybe you're talking about what you're going to do that day but it's it's really prioritizing that moment parents don't have time i just got back on a two family vacation where i was like the pseudo auntie and the parents were like you know, here's food for the kids, safety for the kids, sleep for the kids, marshmallows for the kids. And I was like, how do you guys do this? But they like the, the taking time for yourself is the most important thing. And if you take two pages to write how you're feeling, what you're upset about, what you want to do that day. Process I it. often start writing things I want to do or reflect on what didn't go good yesterday or didn't go well yesterday that I can, you know, let go of today or do better on today. So, yeah, I, just write. You don't have to read it again. No one has to read it. You can just write on a piece of paper and throw it away. Don't worry about it. But that man handwriting, mm -hmm. that'll bring you focus, calm, clarity, time for yourself. And then you can go off to be a better parent, a better partner, a better, you know, employer, whatever. But that, it's it's changed my life. I do that every day for the last eight years now. And I, That's awesome. I feel awkward. I love that. It's, it's, you need to process. You need to, we are, we are processing units. Human beings are massive, incredible computers. We have all of this input. And if we don't give it a healthy output, it, it ends up showing up in ways that we're not proud of. Um, yeah. So that's really good. I love that. You, we, before we started recording, we were talking about in those introspective moments when it was like, oh, this went well, this didn't go so great. Um, you, you mentioned something that I loved about but even in those moments, show gratitude for what did go well, because your brain is pre-programmed to, you know, focus and create more of what you focus on. Every time if you go outside and you're always looking at red cars, red cars, you'll start to notice more and more of them, right? It's, um, oh my gosh, it's like escaping my brain, but I know what it's called. It's um, in your prefrontal cortex. There's like a specific thing where when you know of something, you're going to, you're going to find evidence to support it in your life. Science is failing me. Joe Dispenza, what is happening? Anyway, um, that's going to bother me because I'm fancy myself an intellectual a little bit. That's okay. Um, good. I'll eat the humble pie. But at any regard, I love that you said that. And I don't know if you want to want to share any sentiment on that before we wrap, but I thought that was awesome. 
Yeah, the gratitude. I mean, it's important because like when you feel nervous or because we tend to like, put, you know, brains go on spin cycles of like what's not working out, what we don't have, the lack. But if you can create a gratitude practice, it's not like someone hands you water and you're, you're thankful. That's being thankful. But a gratitude practice is when you sit. And I do this every morning. I write down three things I'm grateful for. It can be something simple like my coffee. It could be something heavy like, I don't know, I'm grateful that for my sisters and I's relationship, you know, like whatever, but it moves you, you're purposely moving your brain to think about the things that you have, the things that are working out for you, the things that feel good, the things that are on your side. And your brain can't feel terrible when you're thinking about things that are good for you. You're like, oh yeah, I feel yes. great about this. And that builds confidence, clarity, inner strength. It does. And when we get knocked sideways, because we always do, we're going to be able to withstand that a lot better. And we're going to know how to return our brains to like, okay, this is a really crappy situation, but you know what? I've got this, this, this. Okay. Keep going forward. So you said something great. Your brain cannot, it cannot think uh, two emotions at once. Your brain can't. We are linear in that way. Our brains can only process one at once. So you cannot be stressed out and grateful at the same time. So by practicing a baseline of, of gratitude, um, that's becomes like your more of your, your equilibrium. So when you're knocked off, it's easy to come back. The part of your brain that finds evidence for what you believe is the reticular activation system. I remembered it. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. I really love it. Christy, yeah. tell our people where they can find your work, where they can find your courses, especially the ones where parents and uh, teens interact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my website is Venture Within. So it's, you know, da, 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 Venture, V-E-N-T-U-R-E uh, hyphen within. So, and on there, like that is everything. It tells about me in the beginning. And then you see like retreats, coaching, and I can't remember, but the, definitely the curriculum is on there. But I also do like private classes too. Like just awesome. for people like you like reach out. And, and I, I like that. I like working personally with people rather than like, I don't advertise. I just... It, it, it's kind of amazing how people find each other when you know what you're looking for. Yes. Yeah. Your vibe attracts your tribe. I've had the amazing yeah. pleasure in this podcast of speaking to people all over the globe, Scotland, Ireland, Germany, Nicaragua. And we are such a global community. The fact that our us as parents, we're going through very similar things. Um, it's so inspiring. And what I love about this platform is you're all the way half, halfway across the world. I have people in British Columbia who might listen to this and say, this is my girl. This is my girl. And they can, they have a platform. Like we actually have a, a snack brand that we're launching. And the reason we're doing this is because I want to support parents above and beyond just food. I think that's great. Giving your kids something healthy, but where's the, where's the actual tools? So this is awesome. Um, my last question for you, cause then we need to wrap. How do you say goodbye in Nicaraguan? Is that even the way to say Nicaraguan? Well, I just say ciao, buen dia, dale. Adios is probably Adios. Spanish, but we just say, Ciao, adio, but they drop the S. It's really kind of um, slangy. Like I adio. Speak Spanish. Very slang. Adio, ciao. Dale. Buena. I I live in yeah. South Florida, so I hear dale a lot. So. <laughs> dale. That's awesome. That's great. Well, I I appreciate what you do. I think picking the teen subset is one of the most impactful like groups of people you could have worked with. I'm so excited to check out and continue to look into your work. Thank you for sharing your heart with us today. Uh, parents, we are here for you guys. So thanks for being here. Um, you guys know the deal. Let us know what else you want to learn. Hit subscribe, join our community. Um, until the next perfect time, you guys stay beautiful.
stay inspired. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. Bye.